Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory and we're going to talk again today about the Kingdom of God. There's a lot going on in the country, and I always try to preface a little bit of the show with uh, whatever's going on in the news today. Uh, we're here in uh, Summer Lake uh, getting ready for what we call the Burning Bush Festival. It was a festival we started years and years ago. We've had people from all over the country, all over the world, come here. We'll have a few people that are actually born in other countries here <laughs> again this next week, next weekend. Uh, you'll find out more about it. I'll make some posts on the Burning Bush Festival uh, Facebook page. And I just uh, announced on that page that uh, we're doing this broadcast. It won't won't be released on the network for at least nine days. So if you don't get it live, you won't hear it. So we're not going to talk a great deal about the uh, festival except for the fact that we're having it. And you can go to our Facebook page. You can go to preparingyou.com and join the network. You can go to hisholychurch.org and join the network and uh, you'll get more updates and you can ask about more information. But when I look at all the stuff that's going on in the news today, uh, I see that uh, some pretty crazy stuff is going on. I guess the, uh, what do they call it, the RNC uh, convention let out and all kinds of people were setting upon the... Uh, Convention attenders and uh, congressmen and whoever was there and uh, threatening them and yelling at them. And uh, there was clearly inadequate police protection. They tried to protect them, but they were knocking people around and threatening old people. And it it was pretty ridiculous. But we've seen these riots going on uh, across the the country, usually in democratically held uh, cities. I, I I've talked before about the fact that when they tried to go to Prineville, uh, people pretty much put them on the bus and sent them packing. Uh, Polk County, I guess, uh, police, uh, chief of police or whoever he was, was just announcing that you better not come to this county. And so the people are fighting back. And then uh, and then some kid, uh, 17-year-old, which makes him a member of the militia automatically. People say, oh, they're acting like militia. Everybody between the ages of 17 and 45 are members of the militia. They don't have to sign up for anything. They don't have to join anything. By U.S. codes, Title 10, you are a member, uh, you know, every male is a member of the militia. And women, they have provisions in there for women can be members of the militia too. But they're not a member of a well-regulated militia. They're just a member of the militia by the mere age and health of the individual, by a U.S. code. You don't understand what the militia is, and a lot of people give it bad name. But the militia is just the citizens or the inhabitants of America who are here to protect the other inhabitants of America. That kid was not well-organized and got himself into a little bit of trouble there. But the people who attacked him, they also got themselves into trouble. People don't understand what's going on. They see all this violence in the street and they're not doing anything to... uh, They're not doing what they need to do to alter that violence. And so things are literally getting out of hand, uh, to say the least. And so anyway... uh, I'm going to touch on a number of things that have been said, but then we're going to get into 
trying to get to some of the root causes and therefore get to the root solution. Because actually, you wouldn't know this if you went into the modern churches, but Christ gave you the solution to what's happening today. And uh, we're going to show you what some people think is the solution (laughs) so that you can cross that off your list and realize that... uh, you know, like a, one thing I, I just posted, there's a guy who's very hateful. He lives up in Bend. Somehow he got on my Facebook page. And, you know, he posted something. I wish you all hated the KKK the way you all hate BLM. And I pointed out the BLM and the KKK were both promoted by the Democratic Party. In, in both cases, the BLM and the KKK uh, promoted violence. And it was the Republicans who opposed both of them, the BLM and the KKK. At least the the violence that they were perpetrating. You'd be surprised how many people were in the KKK and why they were in the KKK. Most people don't even understand it. And, And, you know, about a third of the people that were lynched by the violent members of the KKK, which there were a lot of them in the South, about a third of them were white. So they weren't exclusively after blacks or anything. But they, you know, it was, it turned into an evil organization. It had some good ideas way back at the beginning, probably before it was even called the KKK, uh, which was to try to bring order to the South because the South was totally devastated. But of course, it, it got out of hand. And of course, the BLM is getting out of hand. Dozens of people are dying. Billions of dollars worth of uh, property damage uh, from which many people will never recover. They're not all insured. They're not. You're going to see in policy after policy during riots, you're not covered. And uh, there are some policies already that are not covering the people because they're riots. And the people that are promoting the riots with their so-called peaceful demonstration, because that's what they're they're using that to turn it into a violent thing. Uh, is a terrible deal. Well, this, this Harley guy who is just, just angry, angry individual, uh, doesn't, can't think straight because of his anger. He says the Republicans are complicit as well, as are, uh, I, I'm reading this for the first time, as are all groups, the CIA, to the BLM, to the KKK, all of them. They're all complicit. Complicit in what? The militia, the church, yes, even your church, sir. Uh, complicit in what? He believes that there's systemic racism. I think that's what he believes. He's not very articulate. He doesn't really, ex- doesn't really have a position. He's just, just full of anger. And he can't, can't see straight at all because he's full of anger. So I, I hope he turned into the show so he can hear this. But, uh, anyway, uh, what is complicit? Uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I assume he's talking about what he thinks is probably based on things he's posted before, systemic racism. There really is no systemic racism in the United States. No, no significant, but there is racism. There's racism anywhere where you probably get 10, 20 people together. Uh, you may even find somebody racist coming to the Bernie Bush Festival <laughs> next week. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, racism is a choice of the heart. And, uh, but there is so much misinformation out there that people cannot understand what's really going on. Emotions are running so high that people cannot understand what is going on. And so, therefore, as long as they can't understand honestly, and they need to be honest to see what's going on so that they can see what the solution actually is. And the solution is Christ, but it's not the watered-down Christ 
that you're normally seeing the modern churches. Because they're leaving out some very important factors of the gospel of the kingdom. That are very simple. They're not complicated. They're easily seen and understood. But they're leaving them out. And so it is creating a blind spot. And evil is not going to strike at you from where you're seeing and where you're looking. They're going to strike at you from your blind spot. And that's what we see going down. And even though the solution is right in front of everybody, they don't understand what it is because they're, that's their blind spot. And so we're going to expose their blind spot today and try to get some of these things clear. Uh, so that you can understand what's really going on. And we talked, uh, you know, a week ago and maybe a little bit before that about this new movement that they, they, it's at weforum.org uh, and weforum stands for World Economic Forum. And it was kind of started and promoted by Klaus Schwab who has a vision for a post-COVID world and how the economy can work with nature in what he calls the Great Reset. And, uh, you know, he says things like, if we want to build back better, we don't have to look back to be uh, a planet as uh, we were in January 2020. We need to look forward to a whole new reality. Whole new reality. What will that reality look like? Why don't we look back? He says we don't have to look back. He, you know, if you do not understand history, you are condemned to repeat the mistakes of history. And he is dependent upon a large number of uneducated, well, re-educated, uneducated uh, people who don't understand nature, who don't understand history, don't understand what good government is or bad government is, don't understand the human psyche and how it works. And he is moving people towards totalitarianism. He's not very charismatic, but I, he may be popular in Germany. I don't know. But uh, uh, he has a lot of other people that are going along with him, like uh, uh, uh Katri, uh, who says we can address the looming biodiversity crisis and reset the economy in a way that creates... And protects millions of jobs. In other words, they got some work for you to do. And you will have a job. You will not be able to keep the proceeds of those jobs because they want to control. This is all socialist, uh, communist approach to the economy. So you're going to have some work to do. You're going to have a job. But you're not going to be able to keep the proceeds of that job. They're going to take and take and take. And take, just like uh, Samuel said in First Samuel 8, which you should read. If you want to have a government like they want to have, they're going to take and take and take and take. Well, the truth is, many of your governments are already taken and taken and taken and taken, far more than was taken in Israel or was taken even in early uh, Israel under a king. But uh, And you have already become merchandise, which was prophesied in the New Testament by Peter. And you have done so because of covetous practice that both Klaus Schwab and these others are promoting all the time. They go on to say public calls are getting louder for businesses and governments to do better. Well, that's because of the media. It's not really more people, although there are a lot of people that have swallowed these ideas. 
but uh and and they might as well swallow these ideas because they're not going to be swallowing much else in a few years we it says we can protect the food supply make better use of our uh infrastructure and tap into new energy sources by transitioning to nature's positive solution well Solar is not a positive solution. Solar takes a huge amount of energy in order to make solar panels, uh, the kilowatts that it's going to produce. And it can produce a lot of kilowatts. In our county, there's probably more solar farms going up uh, with using solar farms that use uh, photovoltaic than almost any other county, uh, certainly any other county in the state of Oregon because we get a lot of sunshine out here in the desert. But it is financially not practical. So if you're going to be working to pay for this, that's those millions of jobs that he offers you, you're going to get less and less of your pay. You know, it's like Cardi B, who is interviewing um, one of the candidates, will let you figure out who she was. She was saying that she understood politics because she pays so much taxes, and yet she wants to... uh well, I might as well say she wants to have Biden elected because he's going to offer free schools and free college education and free health care and all this stuff. Well, guess what? <laughs> that means more taxes. Uh, they may not tax you to, to provide all those things right away, but they will create debt that you will have to pay off. You will curse your children with debt because you coveted all those free benefits that aren't free that are going to cost which is why Peter said through covetous practices you would both make yourself merchandise. In other words, you'd be working at all those jobs they're going to have for you. And uh, you're not going to be taking home your pay. Most of your pay is going to go to them. And you're going to curse your children with debt. Of course, you've already done all that. But there's there are people out there who want to do it more and more and more. Because they actually want to bring destruction. They don't know that. They think they're saving the world maybe, but they're delusional. Because that's another thing that was prophesied. There would be a strong delusion where you think you're actually saving the world and you're actually destroying the world. And that's what they're doing. And we're going to show you some of this process. uh, But I wanted to get through some of these things. And some of the other articles they have, they talk about your food supply uh, may be interrupted by the shutdown. Actually, and they're talking like they're going to protect that food supply, but they've actually created the shutdown to shorten that food supply. Already, uh, people are coming out and making the statement. I mean, like, these are guys, researchers, statisticians are saying 10,000 children will die of starvation. If if 10,000 children die of starvation, that means that 100,000 children are starving or more. And there, so how many, 10,000, that's a lot, but millions would have died with the coronavirus, right? If we didn't have a shutdown, no. And that, by the way, that statistic is 10,000 children per month. And that's just the original estimates because we don't know how far this is going. The food, we, we saw millions of tons of food being dumped all over the world because of the fact of the shutdown. And so, that was because mostly because of restaurants and immediate uh, movement of food to different areas because of the shutdown was stopped and they started depleting the the resources that were already in the pipeline and that that's going to cause a ripple effect down down the pipeline 
But uh, we're not seeing starvation yet. But you will see, we did see when there was a pandemonium of buying that there was less food on a lot of the shelves. I mean, you couldn't find flour, you couldn't find bread, you couldn't find a lot of, you couldn't buy toilet paper. But the good thing about running out of uh, food is that it, when you re- completely run out of food, you won't need toilet paper anymore. <laughs> so, and, and people don't realize what brings your food and puts it on the table is machinery. People running machinery, equipment, gasoline, fuel, diesel, and machinery. Machinery needs parts. Parts are becoming more and more scarce. Bolts are becoming, I couldn't get uh, just key stock. It wasn't available in our local hardware store. So I, I would have to go like 100 miles or order it online. Where's all the key stock being made? Well, we've shut down a lot of the factories that do it in the United States. So China is cutting off a lot of supply to America because China supports Klaus Schwab and this thing. Germany supports it. They all are doing it and they want to get rid of And they say right out. You know, George Soros say it says right out there's a glitch in the system. Something happened to stop where they were taking us. Well, what happened was Donald Trump. But I know Donald Trump is not our salvation. He's just a glitch. And they say they're going to get rid of him. I mean, Soros right out of his own mouth. They're going to fix it by January 2020. Not by election. Uh, well, actually, uh, he's talking about by January 20, uh, 2021, they will fix it. But they're not going to fix it by the election. They're going to fix it by January 2021. And their strategy, one of their strategies, they have a number of strategies is to, they think that if they get rid of Trump, then they will be able to do this. I'm telling you, Trump is not your salvation. What we're telling you about, we're going to have to look back in history where they don't want you to look. We're, we're going to tell you, but we're going to look at the present too. The solution is in your hands. It's not anybody else's hands, it's in your hands. But you're going to have to do what Christ actually said. And not just do what you imagine, he said. So, anyway, what, this, this, uh, food supply, you know, like we, if you listen to our shows, you've been listening right along, uh, way back, we were showing you there used to be seven years supply of food in the United States so that Americans would not starve. It was in storage. It was all over the country. It was on farms. Seven years supply. Now, worldwide, that food supply is probably less than 30 days. It was less than 30 days before, and then now, with what's going on, and just a little bit of real climate change, which happens all the time, that food supply could become devastatingly short, and you could be starving to death. Now, am I saying this to frighten you? No, just to kind of slap you across the face and wake up and start doing what Christ said, so that your food supply will be protected by the Lord. Because God said he's not going to hear your cries if you go down a certain road. Klaus wants you to go down that road. I want you to go and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not seek the new world order of Klaus and and all these other people that are out there talking about this. So now we're going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, before we go to a break, uh, I'm going to hit one more spot, you know, this whole virus thing, it's just so out of hand. I saw time and time again people worried about masks and, and now we got the Kate Brown is making this mandatory thing that she wants all the county commissioners in the state of Oregon to 
make their sheriffs start handing out $500 fines for everybody not wearing a mask. And it's just because she's trying to create this pandemonium and distraction so that you can really get hit on your blind side because you don't know what's going on. It's a distraction. It's a complete distraction. And if you want to go to an event, you can come to the Bernie Bush Festival next weekend. If you don't want to come to us, you can go down to the... uh, the county roundup were the only ones in the in Oregon, maybe one of the few in the United States that are going to have a county roundup and rodeo. Uh, some of the events have been canceled, but they're going to have it. They're going to put it on. Uh, during World War II, we, we got a special exemption from the president uh, to have the roundup. We've never canceled it, and they're going to have it. And there's no fear. They say the only corona they're serving, they're going to serve with lime. But uh, I'm sure there's going to be a backlash, but uh, this is one of the most conservative counties. Now, again, not only is Trump not your salvation, Republicans are not your salvation. I'm not against the Democrats. I'm not against the Republicans. I'm not for the Republicans. I'm not for the Democrats. I'm for what Christ said we were supposed to be for, and that's righteousness. It's for the truth. The truth shall set you free. And what I wanted to say is, Viruses are all they are is exosomes. You produce exosomes by the billions every day. But there's all kinds of different exosomes. If exosomes from from foreign creatures will put foreign RNA or foreign DNA, these little exosomes are tiny, tiny little things. They're little sacks of RNA or DNA. If they if they you get that from other animals most of the time, it will do nothing to you. You breathe them in all the time. You, you know, you play with a dog, you play with a cat, you have a parakeet, you have a pet, uh, whatever, any kind of pet. You're picking up their DNA exosomes that they're releasing all the time. Most of the time, it doesn't do anything. Now, they also will carry bacteria. That bacteria, you can get infected with bacteria, but will will keep you healthy or not healthy. What will make you healthy or not healthy is your natural immune system that has ways of protecting you from these foreign things that will get into your system. You play, your kids play on the floor. They will pick these things up. They play in the dirt. They will pick these things up. But you have a natural protective system within you. Just like I said, the real solution for the problems of the world is within you already. And it's when you interfere or obstruct that natural system that you get sick. It isn't because there's a virus around. It isn't because there's back. That, that's around all the time. It's because your system is interrupted. Well, we're interrupted. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So anyway, what I said was exosomes are viruses. Viruses are exosomes. Basically, an exosome is just this little envelope of RNA or maybe some DNA particles. And they're sending messages around. They they help dissolve chemicals that may get into your body. They help to... Those messages are telling certain T-cells and other cells in your body not to replicate certain viruses or to replicate certain exosomes so that they can send that message out. That's all a part of your cellular communication. It's a part of your immune system. Your immune system has many, 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 many layers. You don't want to jump those layers. You want to activate all those layers of your immune system. Vaccines are supposedly activating... They don't cure anything. Vaccines never cure anything. They are simply activating 
parts of your immune system. They're jump-starting certain parts of your immune system. And they can impart to you by that, by infecting you with a toxin. We actually have some vaccines that they're, they're not dealing with a the virus. They're actually just toxic. They actually are made to be, to produce the toxicity in your body that certain uh, illnesses, sometimes bacterial illnesses, produce in your body. You know, like lockjaw is, is, uh, you know, tetanus. It is, it is that bacteria growing in a part of your body that, uh, because of, you know, you stepped on a rusty nail or something, and that often carries tetanus. Tetanus is all over the place. Any place you have horses, you have tetanus. And if that, you get that tetanus in a puncture wound, that bacteria can start to grow in your body and your immune system uh, may not get to it because of the damaged tissue and it's a puncture wound and it's deep inside and you can't wash it off because it's deep inside. That's why it's important to wash out puncture wounds and, and it, and your body naturally will do that if it bleeds. That's what the blood is supposed to be doing, taking out those tie, those, uh, those infections that may feed on your damaged tissue and create toxins, toxoids. So they, what, some of the vaccines that they have created are just the toxin from like tetanus and what they're doing is punching that uh, poison into your body that's what they're doing to create an immune response what's that immune response your body's going to start producing exosomes that will break down that poison and so it will learn that your t-cells will learn to produce the exosomes in your body that will break down that toxin because they gave you a toxoid vaccination. But in, if you're out there playing all the time, your body's going to learn to do that anyway. If you're out there working and involving yourself and, and interacting even with animals sometimes uh, in a wholesome sort of way, your body can naturally learn. And that's, that's all the vaccine is doing. It's trying to jumpstart your body to do this. Unfortunately, there's... They're jumping over some natural processes, which will become weakened when they do that. But that's a little too complicated to get in this little short point. But the point is, the only reason you call an exosome a virus is that particular virus can get into the cells of your body and produce an immune response. If it overproduces an immune response, then you end up with autoimmune problems or you end up with what they call a, a reaction. You get a high fever and may cause damage to your, your nervous system. If you're doing it to small children, they may become autistic. They may, you know, like I say, develop autoimmune problems because they overstimulate it. There are a lot of other things that can overstimulate your system. That's why you have to learn how to calm your system down. And the Spirit of God can calm your system down. And that's why you don't want to be hating. You don't want to be angry. You don't want to hate the Democrats. You don't want to hate the Republicans. Some people just hate everybody. You know, like uh, that that fellow I mentioned earlier in the show. He just, he hates everybody. It's everybody's fault. It's everybody's fault. He, I've never heard him say anything that isn't full of hate. And that's what you see a lot of times coming out of the left. I'm not going to say Democratic Party, but you see coming out of the left. They're just screaming and they're hateful and they don't want to listen to reason and they want to shut you up because they're filled with hate. Now that same hate 
can be found on the other side of the equation too. Because what Christ, Christ is not in the middle of that equation. It's not like too far right, too far left. We're trying to find some middle ground. No, Christ is above that. Because he adds something extra to the gospel of the kingdom, which the modern church has been neglecting in spades. And that's what we want to get down to before we get to the end of this show. And if we don't get all the way to it, we'll cover it in the afternoon show, uh, which uh, we'll get get on the network at preparingyou.com. We'll let you know why that is. Join us on Facebook, His Holy Church uh, on Facebook. And uh, we'll start letting you know. You can ask questions there. There are people waiting to give you answers. But anyway, so the really toxic response we call illness. And this is what we call the coronavirus is this illness. But the reality is it is trumped up. Uh, it is uh, exaggerated. Let's use that word so we don't get confused with the, the, the guy who's the president of the United States. It is... Uh, it is it is basically a bad flu. That's that's what it is. And all the social distancing and masks, all they've done is slow it down. That's all they said that was going to do is slow it down. And it slowed it down, which prolongs it, which the, many epidemiologists said would kill more people. But you're not allowed to hear about them. I'll tell you something else you were not allowed to hear about. A, a peer-reviewed study came out and said that 28% of the Americans were already immune to coronavirus before it even got to America. They were immune to it because it's a coronavirus. It's not the first one. And your T-cells have a memory. Now, they lots of people have been uh, suspecting that for years. But now they've done a study where they see very clearly that 28% of Americans, this is their estimate, they may be wrong, it might be 30%, it might be 25%, but a large percentage, if it's 28%, America was halfway to herd immunity before the virus even arrived. That's right, halfway to herd immunity even before the virus arrived. That may be why Taiwan, with 23 million people, had seven deaths as of last week. Seven deaths out of 23 million people tightly crammed in on a little tiny island, and the the virus went through the island. But they seem to be immune, because they may have had more than 28%, because they may have been hit really hard in some of the earlier coronaviruses that went through the world. Because we've had other coronaviruses. We've had them around for a long time. Even on, I, I got an old bottle, I went and looked it up, old bottle of Lysol underneath the sink. <laughs> and I mean, it's old because we don't use it that much. And uh, it said that it kills coronavirus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's been around for a long time. It's not new. Uh, and so what's happened is your T-cells, the T1 cells, T11 cells, and it's mostly, a, this virus mostly attacks T11 cells. Uh, actually, it really doesn't attack it. It's just, it's, it's, it's not even a living thing. The virus isn't even a living thing. It's just a little envelope of code, and it, 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 we are mailing out those little exosomes to everybody all the time. All animals are doing it. They're shedding them all the time. And what's happened is that couple of your cells might start accepting the those as if the the message in the envelope was meant for you it's 
it's misaddressed. For some reason, it has those little feelers on the end and your cell takes it in and starts replicating it. Your body has secondary things of immune that will go and turn it off and uh, turn off the cell itself and then send out messages that, no, you're not supposed to replicate that and then suddenly you've got immunity. And it will go out and destroy those replicated versions of exosomes because they will identify them. It's it's so complicated. But you don't have to know all the complexities. Your body just does this already. But so many people have become immunity deniers. Anybody who tells you we can only return to normal with a vaccine is an immunity denier. They They don't believe in the nature, the true nature of things. Like Klaus does not believe in the true nature of things. He wants to change nature. And of course, we talked uh, last week, just go back to our... Uh, other shows when we talked about the new RNA vaccination and also the DNA vaccinations that are lurking in the wings, they will alter. They will be a new nature and you will be a new nature and we can tell you more about, but we've, we're pushing the clock here so we want to get into everything else. This is what I saw too that I brought down. I haven't even got to what I was going to talk to you about. I put together notes last night based on something that somebody told me. But uh, I haven't even got to those yet. But I saw this tweet from uh, from Ryan Fournier. He says, this convention has made one thing clear. He's talking about the RNA, uh, RNA convention, the Republican <laughs> National Convention. Um, but uh, RNC uh, convention. Uh, Donald Trump must be reelected. Our civilization depends on it. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does not. And he may not be elected. I don't know. I, I'm fine if he's elected. I'm fine if he's not elected. Uh, things might get rough sooner if he's not elected. <laughs> but, uh, but your civilization depends upon you thinking a different way, which John the Baptist called repentance. What was that way you were supposed to be thinking? What was... What was John the Baptist really saying? Until John the Baptist, every country around that part of the Mediterranean and the world that they knew at that time was moving more and more towards systems of forced contribution. They were trying to establish their utopias by force. Forcing the people to give up a portion of their labor to provide benefits, free bread. And it destroyed Rome. And they should have known it was going to destroy them because 150 years before, actually almost 200 years before, John the Baptist was preaching, 180 years before John the Baptist was preaching, uh, Polybius said that people will become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. And they will become perfect savages. They will institute this rule of force and violence. You'll all have a job, but you'll forcefully have to give up a portion of your labor and the products of your labor to men who exercise authority one over the other to provide welfare for the other people of your society. This is what AOC wants to do. This is what Klaus wants to do. This is what Karl Marx wants to do. This is what BLM wants to do. And it will destroy what's left of society. But Donald Trump is not entirely opposed to that. He just wants less of it. 
And, and that's fine. You know, I, I'm not picking on the leaders. Because the problem is you. The problem is the people. Because you don't want to actually hear. You want to believe that you already know the gospel of the kingdom. You don't. You, because you've left out a portion, a tiny little portion, but an important little portion of the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what it was called, the gospel of the kingdom. The government of God. Now, that's what Christ appointed to the apostles. A government. But it wasn't like the other governments of the Gentiles. And he says this. And he told us that we are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles. The princes of the Gentiles. Matthew, Mark, Luke. He's telling this over and over again throughout the gospel, throughout all the prophets. That we were to operate by free will offerings or what they call in the New Testament charity. Old Testament free will offerings. The Corbin of the Old Testament was free will offerings. The Corbin of the Pharisees were forced offerings. And John the Baptist said, not by force, but by charity. That's simple. That's it. If you have two coats and your neighbor doesn't have any, share. If you got a $20 bill and your neighbor doesn't have anything and that's an extra $20 bill, share. It doesn't mean hand it out the car window with, to a guy with a sign on the side of the road. We've talked about that and explained what really goes on there. It means to do it the way Christ said to do it. Where did we see the great sharing of Christ? It was at the loaves and fishes. Where he commanded the people to sit down in tens, hundreds, and thousands. Till they did, there was going to be no loaves and fishes. Once they did, there was loaves and fishes. What were they doing in the tens, hundreds, and thousands? They were doing what John the Baptist said. Those that had extra shared with those that did not have enough. That was a miracle. Because nobody was doing it until John the Baptist and Jesus Christ did it. And said to do it. That's what the same word for love thy neighbor as thyself is to take care of thy neighbor with charities. Love, charity. Same words. And so that is the gospel. We used to do that in America. That's what made America great. Not President Lincoln, not George Washington. Fine guys, whatever. They had, each of them had problems. Jefferson had problems. But they also were good. I, I would, I wouldn't mind Jefferson as a neighbor. Certainly wouldn't mind George Washington as a neighbor. Uh, I wouldn't mind Booker T. Washington as a neighbor. And I would probably get along with them really well. And they probably wouldn't be afraid of the coronavirus. <laughs> they, they certain, certain as heck would not be voting for Biden, because Biden wants you to covet your neighbor's goods. He is spreading a gospel of hate. But the only one who spread the gospel of Christ was Christ. And anybody, the closer you get to that gospel, the more of those pieces of his puzzle you pick up and incorporate into your life, the closer to his salvation you will be. If you're not a doer of the word, you're not a real Christian. And what's happened is that we have thought that it's okay to take away from our neighbor through systems of socialism offered by FDR and LBJ and Cloward and Piven and and Obamacare. We think that that's okay. We do it with our public schools. 
We do it with the care of our elderly. And then we wonder why something's going wrong in America. Because we turned the corner the wrong way a hundred years ago. And 70 years ago. And 50 years ago. You can see how from FDR, and we'll take a look at this. Well, we'll see it as we go through the material that I put together. And, and we need to repent. We need to think differently. And so what I'm going to talk a lot about is prisons. You know, here, here's a question. Can it really be true that most people in jail are being held before trial? They're, they're not in jail because they've committed a crime. They're in jail waiting for trial. Is that true? And don't we have a bail system? They actually want to do away with the bail system. And uh, to some degree, I understand that. But And, and it would work if you guys were actually all Christians. <laughs> you would have... If, if all the people that said that they were Christians and followers of Christ were actually doing what Christ and the early church was doing, the jails would be empty in... in Almost in five to ten years, especially with some of the new things where you get the Second Chance Act and and all that stuff, because people would. But it won't do away with criminals. But uh, there will still be criminals. But you you compared to what you have in jail today, you wouldn't have it. But the fact is, to get all the people to actually do what Christ do and did, and the Christians, true Christians do, and false Christians neglect. Uh, that's quite a job because they have to have the humility to admit that they haven't been doing what Christ said all along. So here's another question. And how much of mass incarceration is the result of the war on drugs? Is it 20%, 30%? Why? And that's what a lot of people want to blame all the people. that I mean, there's 2.3 million people in jail. It's some form of prison. That's actually a lot more than just prison. That's prisons, jails, waiting for trial. That's that's people that cross the border illegally and maybe in detention camps, which are all really kind of nice. Most of them are. It's not like a prison or anything. But anyway, so all those people together come to two point three. That's a lot. A lot of countries don't have that kind of numbers. You know, per capita. We'll look at a little bit of that and see why those numbers are there. But really what we want to do is get down to the cause because the cause of it is it's not Trump. It's not Karl Marx. (laughs) It's you. You're not actually doing what Christ said to do. And this is what we're going to get to. And it's a shocker how simple it is, how uncomplicated it is, how obvious it is if you actually look at the text and look back in history a little bit so you know what the text actually means. You'll have to find out what pure religion actually is. You have to find out what religion actually is. What's the meaning of the word religion? Because it's not the same today as it was 200 years ago in America. It's quite a bit. It's almost the reverse. I mean, it's almost unrecognizable. The definition of religion as you would read it today is, is so different than the definition of religion 200 years ago that you wouldn't even recognize them as defining the same word. And that's easily proved because we can crack open that dictionary and we can Google it and find out. And we point it out all the time and people, it's, it's, you get the deer in the headlight look because it, it just stuns them. Because 
and, and it wouldn't stun them so much. And, and unfortunately, it makes some people angry. Sometimes they're angry at me. Sometimes they're angry at the people who told them the wrong definition. Don't be angry. Fear not. Be angry not. Judge not. This is because Jesus knew that anger and fear are the different sides of the same coin. They're the same coin. And if you're angry or afraid, you're going down the wrong path. We are not preaching a gospel of anger or fear. I just heard uh, early this morning that uh, the Hodge twins, they're kind of crude at times, but I kind of like them. I think they're kind of funny. And so I don't always share their stuff because they get a little too crude, but they're talking to an audience. That's fine. I mean, like, you know, Michael Knowles, I don't agree with him all the time, but he says some stuff. What I'm interested what I, I find absolutely fascinating is that the Hodge twins were both liberals. They were on the left. They were, they were socialists. They, they were Democrats and they changed. It's like anomaly. You see them changing. What I want to do is see you changing. <laughs> And waking up to the truth. Now, can we wake up the Hodge twins to the rest of the truth? But anyway, they're about to be... You would expect Facebook is going to shut them down. That's what they're about to do. And they've tried to not you know, violate community standards. But in the notice, I thought it was amazing. They used to call it deplatforming you. When they shut you down, took your 10 years of videos that you have up, which is your livelihood. They, they just shut it down overnight. They used to call it deplatforming. In the notice, they actually sent, this is the evil will always tell you what they're doing. They actually say they're going to depublish them. Well, if they're depublishing them, that means Facebook is a publisher. It's not a platform. <laughs> and that was the whole lawsuit that was uh, going on. But I tell you, you can't win these lawsuits. I don't care how good your lawyer is until you wake up and repent. Think differently. They've started thinking differently. They're great guys in that way. I'd love to meet them, love to talk to them, share more with them. But they're they're going to hire a lawyer to fight this. A lot of other conservatives are being shut down by Facebook because Facebook is this other way. And, of course, they're still on YouTube, but then that could be shut down. Google is playing its magic, too, because they're pulling out all the stops to win this election because they have to stop Donald Trump because he's this fly in their ointment. But what you need is the ointment of Christ. What you need is the ointment of Mary Magdalene. Uh, you need the humility of Mary Magdalene. You need to realize that you have sinned, that you've done wrong, that you've gone the wrong way, and that you want to turn around and go the other way. And we're going to kind of try to show you what that is. And it's really very simple. It's not really hard to figure out, but it's going to be quite the shocker to a lot of people. So these questions are harder to answer than uh, you might think because... Uh, our country's system of confinements are so fragmented. I mean, there's federal, state, local jails, and, and there's there's lots of that. So that's how they get to this huge number. It's not quite so fragmented in places like uh, Sweden. And this is where it all started. Somebody was talking about America thinks they're a free country, and they're talking about the prison system. So why are there so many people in prisons? You know, I mean, we have uh, uh, 1,800 uh, state prisons, 1,833 state prisons, 110 federal prisons, 1,772 juvenile correctional facilities. That's a lot. 
Uh, and we had those judges in Pennsylvania that were arrested and they've gone to prison now because they were actually sending kids to juvenile hall because a lot of the juvenile halls were privately run and they wanted to keep their halls full to make lots of money. And they were receiving bribes of over over a million dollars. So this is, this is big bucks. But there's also other local jails. Not just state prison, but just local jails. 3,000 local jails. Uh, which actually seems like a, a small number. 218 immigration detention camps. So that's not as many in any cases. But there's also Indian uh, County jails added on to that. And uh, so there's a lot to it. But why are so many people there? And there's all kinds of people offering solutions and explanations. And we're going to look at all these. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them hit the high points so that you can see the contrast because some people are saying it's this and some people are saying it's that and it's actually neither one and we're going to explore that to find out what it really is so uh, it says every about every year of 600,000 uh, enter prison gates 600,000 people enter prison gates but people go to jail 10.6 million times each year so that's not that's not prison. That's just going to jail. Not a lot of them are bailed out the next day. And why are they? There are all kinds of different reasons. Um, jails, uh, they're kind of churning people in and churning people out constantly. And a lot of people go are put in jail that should not be put in jail. And but what what's the numbers? What where is the real problem? And why are the numbers seemingly so high? Uh, I mean, this actually even includes people with mental illness and everything. So there's, so you have to kind of not only look at the statistics, but find out how the statistics were gathered and what they are. But we're going to take a look at actually very simple cause. And we're going to dispel some of the myths that are not the cause of this high number of people in prison. When we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, we'll just look at, I, I, I was, looked at some of these statistics and I just looked, oh, I looked at a number of countries, but I just wrote down the Sweden statistics. You know, they, they only have about 10 million people in their country. They're, they were for a long time kind of a homogeneous community. I mean, they have a few ethnic groups in their communities, but they don't have, uh, millions upon millions upon millions of immigrants coming from all sorts of different cultures. Uh, they, but they are now experiencing immigrants from other cultures coming into their country. But they only have about 61 people in jail per 100,000. America has about 655. So we have about 10 times as many people in jail per 100,000. But then again, who are the people that are going to jail and why are they going to jail and why is this number so high is it the courts is it uh, all the laws that we have is it the drug laws and you know we make all these drug drugs illegal why are there so many people in prison in america and uh, the answer like i said is not that simple it's uh, it's actually kind of uh, fascinating to follow the the to the source of the problem a lot of people think they can give you simple answers but the simple answers aren't really there, uh, and they don't really add up. They don't really explain the problem. But anyway, the reality is, is uh, Sweden, they have uh, about 27% of those people are pre-trial tra- detainees. They haven't even been convicted of a crime yet. And uh, so that's a quarter, more than a quarter. 
in America, it's less than a quarter. It's only about 22%. So that accounts for something, but it's certainly not going to count for the 650 compared to 61 people per 100,000. They they also have a little less females in jail, more males. Part of that is probably due to the fact that some of the immigrants are in jail, and most of the immigrants are not female. Now, that may change over a period of time. Uh I was wrong when I was first analyzing these. I didn't read one of the numbers right. They, they only have, uh, or they, they actually have about 22% of their prisoners are foreigners. And that, of course, is because they're a member of European unions and foreigners can go up there and kind of get away with murder, uh, up there and they commit a lot of crimes. Uh, we have lots of foreigners in here, but we, we have been bringing in a lot of people who are foreigners, but we don't call them foreigners anymore because we have one of the most generous immigration policies in the world. We have accepted more immigrants than almost any other country, and they it's because everybody wants to come here to this supposedly uh, systemic racist nation. Uh, blacks want to come here. Why do they want to come to the systemic racist nation? Because it's not systemically racist. I mean, there was back in the Jim Crow days, but that isn't really, that wasn't really the cause of the problem. Uh, so what is really going on? So anyway, we only have about 5.2% of the prison population are foreigners. So anyway, what can we learn from those statistics and what did they tell us? Actually, they don't really tell us that much. It might make you think, uh, it, it will, what it will do is really give you the desire to ask a question, which is why do we have so many people in jail, 650 people per 100,000 in jail. Now, of course, now again, that's not prison. A large percentage of that are detainees because of the fact they've been arrested for something, but they'll be out within 24 hours. Maybe it was drunk driving. Maybe it was, uh, you know, some sort of domestic dispute. Uh, there's lots of reasons to be put into jail overnight. And then you may go to a trial that doesn't even end up in jail either. And it may be dismissed. And you may be found innocent. So, yeah, we have lots of arrests, but we, uh, why do we have so much crime? Is it more crime? Are we having more crime? Because now if you look at some of the crime statistics, crime has actually been going down. So why do we have so many people in jail per capita? And that is, that is really the interesting thing. Uh, and then, of course, when you're talking about crime going down, at, at what point are we talking about? And where is all the crime coming from? It, you know, like 50% of all the death, uh, murders in, uh, America are almost 50% or some, t some statistics show more than 50%. Some show just about 50%, but around that area is a small percentage of the black community. Well, I don't really believe that blacks are more prone to violence by the pigment of their skin. I mean, melanin, uh, Melanin doesn't cause uh, violence. It's just it's just a pigment. So that's not what's happening. But there are cultural things that may allow you to think that violence is, you know, uh, 
more of a solution to a particular problem. Yeah, I mean, there was, there's been egregious murders in communities that, and we see these riots where people are actually chasing white people down the street simply because they're white and beating on. And many of those are actually white. I mean, a lot of the people that I saw attacking people uh, coming out of, you know, in the, the videos that showed that they were attacking people coming out of that convention, they were white people. They weren't the black people. They were white people. They're under a strong delusion. And many people can see that, but that's not going to help you to see that. It's going to help you when you see your strong delusion. And that's what we want to get to. So, anyway, I read dozens of articles last night until after midnight on prisons and why uh, there's so many people in prisons and... uh, fact that prison numbers began to grow after reported street crime uh, quadrupled. Okay, so while they're talking about crime going down right now, in 1959, street crime was quadrupling. So going down, see, that's why you have to look at the past. He said, so why, if it quadrupled in 1959, what happened in 1950? that led to quadrupling in 1959 and through 1971. So that, that was a period of time from 59 and 71. There was this huge jumps in street crime, which is a certain kind of crime. Uh, homicide rates doubled between 1963 and 1974. So what happened in 1963 that stimulated homicides to double in just about 10 years. And and, and and during the same period, robbery rates tripled between 63 and 74. So crime was going up then. So what was happening that crime was shooting up? Well, LBJ. <laughs> Lyndon Baines Johnson. War on poverty. That's what happened. That was the major event. It wasn't like the end of slavery in 1960 or something, you know, and now all these slaves come out and, you know, slavery took a toll on the black community. What happened to the fathers in the households during this time? We went from 25%, around 25%, depending on what statistics you take, of fatherless homes in in the 60s to 75% of the homes fatherless today. Why that sudden rise from the 60s on? Because that was LBJ. Why were they 25% in 1960? Well, if you go back to 1903 and you look at their surveys, only about 3%. 1906, only about 3% of the black community families were fatherless. And so between there... And that, that's 40 years after the end of slavery. And only 3% of the black families are single parent families. 3%. Well, we know that at least 1% of that, maybe 1.5%, is due to the death of the father. So it's not father abandonment. It's just natural causes. And then people get remarried and then you have two parents again. And so that was going on all the time back then, but 
what happened that increased that number? And if you look at the rise of those numbers, and you can go back in the statistics, it was FDR. FDR and his his own New Deal, like Krauss's New Deal. This is undermining the fabric of society. What is the fabric of society? It's the family. That's where that's where society is born. It's born in the family. Black Lives Matter is against the family structure. They want to destroy the family structure. Because the family structure is the enemy of communism and Marxism. Because you're you have to make the state totally your father in in uh, although it, like in Russia they call it Mother Russia, but they you have to make the state your parent. That's that's the goal of Marxism. And Marxism can't survive unless the family breaks down. So, of course, Black Lives Matter is against the family. They say so on their website. You can go read it yourself. These are facts. There's some more facts. If all black drug offense prisoners were released today, because that's what, you know, that's what everybody tells you. Is, it's, the, it's the drugs. The war on drugs. It's put all these black people in jail. And I'll admit it, Kamala Harris put a lot of people in jail, a lot of black people in jail, young black people in jail because of drugs. And she, she bragged about it. She's not going to brag about it right now because she's running for vice president. But that's what she used to brag about. You know, but like, you know, if Democrats didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. Now, I could say the same about a lot of Republicans. I know people that know that Kate Brown is not the legal governor. She's in violation of Article 2, Section 22. But they won't stand up for what's righteous and enforce that because that means their pet-friendly guy would have to step down too because he's also in violation. The The reason that the citizens of Oregon passed that into the Constitution back in 1991 is because they could see this legal corruption of people taking bribes and calling them campaign contributions to alter life in Oregon. So they got this in Article 2, Section 22, that you can't take more than 10% of your donations from outside of the district or the state in which you live. It's an unclassified felony. You're a felon if you violate that, and it's just a matter of math. You can add it up. It's a matter of public record. Where'd you get? She got $20 million in donations in her account, and $7 million came from outside of the state. Clearly from outside. Actually, it's more than $7 million from outside the state. But clearly, because you can't always tell what's outside of the state. Sometimes it's an organization, and that organization is in the state. But how much of the money that that organization has came from outside the state. So if you get into it, you'll find out that it's a lot more than seven million, but that puts her five million over. She's committed a crime against the people of Oregon to the tune of five million by claiming to be the governor when she has already forfeited the office. And she's ex- issuing executive orders that are destroying businesses and and even sometimes putting people in jail. And you're letting it happen because you don't want your buddy removed from Congress because he's in violation too. Well, the fact that it was made an unclassified felony, so you can classify it in the court. If if your buddy is $10,000 over or $1,000 over, you probably don't have to remove him from office. You could remove him from office. He's not going to go to jail or anything. But she's $5 million over. So you can classify that as five years in jail. <laughs> you know, that's, it's up to, it's up to the courts. 
Most courts, I know judges who would rule against her and, and say she's not the governor. Now she'll appeal it, and then it'll go up to the state Supreme Court. Seven judges, on five of the judges that are on the state Supreme Court, she appointed, they have to recuse themselves. Because if she's not the governor, they're not on the court. So that takes you down to about two guys get to decide this. If they can't decide it, guess where it goes? It goes to the Supreme Court. Meanwhile, all our executive orders are kind of on hold because we don't know if she's the governor or not. I know she's not the governor. And and a lot of other people know that she's not, but they don't have the character. They have become so weak. And this is what, go back to the exosomes. If you're dependent upon vaccines rather than natural contact, rather than the exosomes from your parents who are already immune that can be spread to you and make you immune... That everybody knows that the mother nurses her child. That child is picking up immunity. The baby goes through the vaginal canal at birth. He's going to have better immune system than the child that's taken by cesarean. Doctors say this. CDC says this because they're going through the natural process. Vaccines are outside of that natural process. They might give you some immunity, but you're skipping part of the process and weakening part of your immune system. This is what's happened. You've depended upon the government. Why doesn't the Secretary of State remove her from office? Because the Secretary of State was appointed by her. is already infested with the exosomes of unrighteousness. You have to become infested with the exosomes of righteousness. This is why Jesus breathed upon... Now, we don't want to carry the metaphor too far, but Jesus, that's the first thing he did, is breathe on the apostles and said, receive the Spirit of, you know, the Holy Spirit. If you're not willing to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness... You're not willing to seek the righteousness of Christ in your government, in your society, in your community. Then you're not going to receive the blessings of Christ. You're you're under a strong delusion that you're actually a Christian and a doer of the word when you won't even keep your word. These men are sworn to uphold that. So I'm showing you the same pattern of, of failure to comply with the commands of Christ, is weakening you as a society. It's destroying you. It's putting thousands of people in prison. It's allowing crime. People are going to the streets and committing crimes with impunity, and nobody will stand up. And then when some 17-year-old boy tries to stand up, he screws it up. And maybe through no fault of his own. Because he isn't well regulated. What does that mean? If you went back to when that was written in the Constitution, the word well regulated doesn't mean the militia is regulated by the president or the federal government. It means you're well organized. And that's one of the very first things that Christ commanded that we do is to get well organized. He did it at the loaves and fishes. When he commanded his disciples to make the people sit down in tens, hundreds, and thousands. Why? Because that's how you get well regulated. You regulate yourself. It wasn't the apostle saying, you go sit with him, and you sit with him, and you sit with him. It's that you guys organize yourselves, because we can't exercise authority one over the other. We're forbidden to do that. But we insist that if you want a daily ministration, other than by force, by the Marxists of the world, you have to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and that's the way the early church was organized for a thousand years. 
And then somebody came along and said, no, we're going to build big cathedrals and everybody's going to sit in pews and they're going to listen to us. That's not what Christ said. That we're going to have ministers, we're going to tell you who your minister is going to be, we're going to exercise authority, we're going to, we're going to get together with the kings, and we're going to crown kings over you, and if you don't do things the way we do, we're going to punish you. That's where Ambrose was at. That's where a lot of other people were at. But that's not the church established by Christ. Church established by Christ sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, created a daily ministration, free bread, in a daily administration, but the free bread was provided by charity. When we got away from that in America, we weren't so great no more. You want to be great again, you got to get back to that. You can't just elect a president and he becomes your salvation. You got to, somebody, you know, a minister in another country was talking about, you know, like I wanted to tell the people where he was applying for his passport that he was actually a citizen of the kingdom of God. But he's applying for a passport. He's not well regulated. Well, he's he's regulated, but he's not well regulated in the kingdom. He's not well organized in the kingdom. Because he's not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. I know guys doing the same kind of thing here in America and Oregon here, where they think they're a part of the kingdom of heaven, but they haven't sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. They're not living by love. They're living by rebellion. They're angry at the system. But they don't really love Jesus until they do what Jesus said. You have to be a doer of the word. And the word was, sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, create a daily ministration based on faith, hope, and charity that not only takes care of the free bread that may occasionally be necessary, but also the, the extra coat, the housing, do the same in meats. That's what John the Baptist said. They were setting up a government that operated, a voluntary government, an intentional community that operated by faith, hope, and charity. That's what they were doing. But if you read uh, John uh, Pfaff, professor of law of the Fordham uh, Law School, he, he actually says, going back to the question we asked just a few minutes before we did that little rabbit trail and come back to here, that if you released all those prisoners, did you come up with a figure yet? All those prisoners that were, all the blacks that were in jail because of drug offenses, that's 1.4% of the population of the jail and, and prisons. That's not going to make a difference. That is not where everybody is coming from. It isn't because of the increased crimes and drug and all that stuff. But there's something else going on. And we've already really told you. I don't know if you put it together, but we'll approach this from a couple of different angles and look at a couple of the other myths that people don't understand. Uh, now, I'd be honest, John Pfaff, he blames the reason so many people are in jail is because of the conduct of the prosecutors. That has driven prison growth in recent decades. Uh, not drug policy. Prosecutors, much more aggressive in throwing the book at people. Now, that's another thing is that when you start counting crimes, you know, you've seen it on the news where somebody's charged with, they got like a list of 11 charges against them. Many of those charges are overlapping. The guy did one act, but it becomes 11 different charges. Well, that's going to change your criminal statistics. 
because you have all these different charges. So he gets convicted of this one and this one. They're doing it because they, if I don't get them convicted of this, I get them convicted of that. And there's different penalties with each one. And they try to put them all, all these different charges. It's not like I shot the guy. You know, you violated his civil rights by shooting the guy. So that's a, that's one deal. And then you shot a guy, you had a gun in your hand, and you didn't have a right to the gun. And so that's another violation. And so they turn one act into a dozen different violations, and that skews the t- statistics. But the reality is, in my experience lately, prosecutors, and we see it actually just recently in the news. I mean, some guy punches a woman out right in church on camera and the prosecutor doesn't want to... I mean, a woman doesn't even know. She's just walking back from communion and he just punches, 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 punches her. Big, huge guy standing there just punching her because he doesn't like what's going on. Most of the people aren't in the church. They're watching the church service with cameras because of the crazy, goofy shutdown. Um, But they're not going to prosecute him because it wasn't that big a deal. It was a big deal to her. That's assault. That should be prosecuted. Oh, we don't want to do that because he's black, you know, and we might have riots and everything. Well, long before stupid things like that, I was watching, uh, even in Lake County here. The DA's dropped charges, dropped charges, dropped charges, doesn't want to prosecute this, doesn't want to prosecute that. Uh, it's too much work. Like, it's become the trend. I see it up in Portland for a long time. Now, during the riots, it's just magnified that it's letting people run rampant, beat people, smash things, burn things, cement cops into a police station, try to set it on fire. Well, we don't want to arrest them. We don't want to prosecute them. It's crazy. So now you're seeing the abs- It's not aggressive prosecutors. It's the reverse. So anyway, let's look at five myths. I don't know if we have time to do it before the break. We're going to probably run out. But we'll look at a couple. And it gets more interesting as we go along anyway. Uh, the first myth is releasing nonviolent drug offenders would end mass incarceration. Four out of five people in prison or jail are locked up for something other than drug offenses. That's right, four out of five people in jail. Now, you might go back to that 1.4. That that was a statistic just on blacks in jail for drug offenses. This is all offenses. And blacks are only 12 to 13 percent of the population. So the idea that that 50 percent of the homicides are black-on-black homicides, well, that's just unbelievable. Because I know, most of the black people I know, they're not killing anybody. So it's a tiny little percentage of the black community, and it really has nothing to do with black. So to some degree, I think even breaking the statistic down into black-on-black crime is a little racist, but it's a way of gathering statistics, and I can accept it, as long as you don't think that it has anything to do with the fact that the person's black. It has to do with FDR and LBJ and all the so-called Christian churches that let... The daily ministration being taken out of their hands and put in the hands of men who exercise authority because they were slothful in the ways of Christ. What made America great is we not only took care of all the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity and philanthropic organizations that we created from the grassroots, but we actually even built prisons. Prisons by donated money. All the schools were built by donated money. The public education was mostly funded, vastly funded, by not tax dollars, 
but by private charitable contributions. That's what funded public schools. It was just public schools because we let anybody come. Harvard. Uh, anybody could get go to Harvard. There were, you didn't need a student loan. They had scholars. If you could keep up the grades, you could go to Harvard. You could go to Princeton. It was in their charters. They didn't turn any way, anybody away because they were poor. That's what made America great. Student loans, that's what's killing you. Borrowing money from the Federal Reserve in order to provide benefits that you're not willing to pay for is cursing your children. These are basic things. You just don't get it. So that myth that somehow the nonviolent drug offenders uh, would end mass incarceration, no, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't, because four out of five people are in prison and jail or locked up for something other than drug offenses. And there's more to it than that. So we're going to look at some of the other. Um, we're going to look at some of the costs, why people even, is it even cost effective to put people in jail? Uh, of course, you're doing it, if you're funding it by tax dollars, you've already abandoned Christ. But what is this real solution? Can we cover all that in the next half hour? Be there and find out. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, what does it cost to send somebody to prison? I always pointed out uh, in shows way back years ago, I was showing how somebody stole $600. He was out of college. He was out of money. Uh, his roommate had left, so he was stuck with all the rent. And uh, things were just, he was, I think he lost some of his hours at the uh, part-time job that he had. And he wasn't going to be able to finish his all the money, you know, if you don't finish the class, you don't get the credit and it doesn't help. So you've invested all that money. And he was just, I mean, he was starving and trying to finish it. And uh, somebody left a purse sitting next to him in an auditorium. And he looked in and saw there was cash. And he pulled out $600 and and he actually stole the purse and, and took the money out and threw the purse away. And he wasn't a very good thief. He'd never stolen before, but they caught him. Uh, somebody saw him and uh, went right to him. And he immediately confessed to the police, uh, went to court, uh, and got two years in jail for stealing $600. Not uh, second offender, third offender. He was white. <laughs> so it was because he was black. Like a lot of people would jump to that conclusion. And... Uh, it came out two years later, no job, record. Uh, the woman never got her purse back. She never got her $600 back. It was, and what did it, he paid his debt to society, right? It cost us over $100,000 to put him into jail and put him on parole and to try him for a $600 robbery. What on earth? Are you doing? <laughs> he couldn't hire a lawyer, so we had to give him a lawyer. And uh, that is not paying your debt to society. That is putting society more in debt. So there, there needs to be some kind of reform. You can try to do it through regulating from the top down, but that just gives more power at the top. Or you can start changing the nature of society and end up with wiser judges wiser cops, wiser prosecutors, and maybe wiser students. And if you were in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, he could have gone to church and they would have helped him out. But he isn't that way. He's dependent upon the government and the government incarcerated him to the cost of hundreds 
$100,000 or more. So it's insane. But it's because you fundamentally altered the nature of society when you decided to look to the government as your sugar daddy, as your father, as your provider, instead of your family and a community of families that gather together in free assemblies, caring about one another as much as they care about themselves. God don't care about your philosophy. God don't care about your politics. Your The nature of your being, the way you were created, is to be a gregarious soul that gathers with others, caring about their rights as much as you care about your own. If you don't do that, and you won't do that if you keep looking to the government to solve all your problems... You will go into bondage, which is where you're at right now. So anyway, looking at Britain figures. Prison system per year is funded by $1.9 billion. That's their prison. I said dollars. Pounds sterling in Britain. 1.9. That's almost 2 billion pounds sterling. Uh, and so the, the, the financial cost of, of crime committed per year, per year, by criminals, was estimated at 60 billion pounds sterling. Now, the 2 billion pounds is going to be a, you know, cost of imprisoning people. It's going to be on the head of government. Government's going to get to go and tax you, force you to contribute. Remember what I said, American prisons used to be built by charity. Wow. That's when we were great. <laughs> That's why Tocqueville came over here to look at the American prison system. They they weren't all built by charity, but they were actually built by charity. There were many prisons that were effective because they they also housed the mentally insane, uh the uh the slothful, the uh the incompetent uh people. And so it was important that they were built by charity in order to bring in compassion. Uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but of course that doesn't mean that just because you built it by charity that it will be a compassionate institution. It still takes that daily ministration of the facilities to bring in that compassion because I can show you very quickly, and we've got lots of studies and we've done programs on it, that having somebody incarcerated under your power will corrupt the guards by the very nature of humanity. But occasionally, you do have to incarcerate people to protect themselves. You never incarcerate to punish. You incarcerate to protect. In the kingdom. In the world, they, they want to punish you because they judge They want to judge you and punish you and they want to play God. And of course, when the guards want to play God, bad things happen. So anyway, cost effectively, the 60 billion that's going to cost the taxpayers because of the crimes committed is relieved by putting more people in jail. But you may be kicking the can down the road if you're borrowing money in order to provide that $2 billion for prison or two billion pounds sterling for prison which compounds the issue but we don't want to get into all that but just basically we discovered the myth that uh, 
getting rid of the nonviolent drug offenders doesn't solve the overcrowding. Not, it's not overcrowding because they're actually not to full capacity, but this large number in in prison population. Second myth: private prisons are corrupt. Heart of mass incarceration. Well, we already talked about some of the youth prisons that were literally bribing judges to keep their beds full so that they could make a buck. And so lots of kids were going into the juvenile hall. And when they go into most of these juvenile halls, because they're not built, they're built for profit. They're not built by charity. Uh, they're, they're going into these. And what happens is that they come out more corrupted because they're put in with all the corrupt people. It's like, kind of like, Cuomo and Whitmore uh, governors sending sick corona patients into convalescent, forcing them to take sick corona patients. That's kind of like giving smallpox blankets to the Indians. <laughs> they did that and were called a hero by your media, which is the loud voice of the left. And they're actually committing mass murder. You know, just just actually this week. The uh, the federal uh, uh, what, what do they call it? Judicial Department uh, has uh, subpoenaed all the records for the uh, convalescent homes and the deaths in the convalescent homes uh, from Pennsylvania Governor is it Whitmore or Whitmire or whatever her name is. Uh, but and she she says she would cooperate, yeah, because otherwise you're going to get arrested because it's a federal crime. Because you know. Those patients that died in there, those are federal citizens. Now, that's the way they handle things. We handle them a little different. And uh, you would be shocked. Most of you, you don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you if you start coming down this road and start gathering the tens, hundreds, and thousands, start coming to things like the Burning Bush Festival, we'll start showing you how the Holy Spirit works. And and we can't conjure up the Holy Spirit, but if you repent and turn around, then God will hear your voice. Because he says he's not going to hear it if you keep going after those kings and those prime ministers and those presidents and thinking they are your salvation. He said, this is what's going to happen. Go back to Samuel 8. I told you to look at that at the beginning of the show. He's going to take and take and take and take and take. And when you cry out, I will not hear you in that day. So how do you get God to hear you? Repent, turn around, go the other way. Stop trying to take care, take from your neighbor through covetous practices because that's what's made you merchandise and curse your children is bringing your, you destruction. So anyway, so second myth that private prisons are corrupt. No, you know, the fact less than 9% of all incarcerated people are held in private prisons. The vast majority in public owned prisons and jails. Now, there used to be private prisons. Now, these private prisons are still public prisons because they're paid by the government. Again, when I was talking about prisons in America, some of the prisons in America were entirely funded not by government, but by private contributions. Therefore, the people who did it still had control. It's kind of like that Article 2, Section 22, the people got that passed. But the people today, 30 years later, 
They haven't got the gumption. They don't have the character to enforce the law the other ones put in place for you. And the only reason that got in in place is because they kind of caught the 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 power corrupt elite asleep and they got it passed. Well, they're they're about to change that. And you're sitting on your hands waiting for next year. It may not ever happen because they have a plan to remove Article 2, Section 2 and castrate it so that it will no longer be a threat to them. You may not know about that, but if you're going to acquiesce, you're going to go farther down the rabbit hole of destruction. You need to repent, turn around, start going the other way and become a doer of the word and not pretend you're a Christian, but actually do what Christ said. Because we can show you, and we have in many other recordings, we're not going to go into it all now. What I'd like to do now is quote Thomas Sowell. I love Thomas Sowell. There's a guy who started out a Marxist. Another one of those guys who started out on the left (laughs) and had the humility to say, whoops, this is a mistake. Jordan Peterson, Anomaly, the Hodge Twins. I love them because of the fact that they had enough humility to say, I got it wrong. I'm willing to change. That's what you need to do. Admit you got it wrong and need to be willing to change. Anyway, he said virtually everything that the government does costs more than when the same thing is done in private industry. Whether it is building housing, running prisons, collecting garbage, or innumerable other things. Why in the world would we imagine that health care would be the exception? It won't be. So he's talking about health care, but he mentioned prisons, running prisons. Well, you say, well, the private prisons are a problem. Private prisons aren't that problem. They're not that private. They're being funded by the government. So the government is the watchdog. If you were donating money to create the prisons, it would be different. But now you can't, we can't jump to that point. You can't even educate your kids. You can't even take care of your parents without the government. You, you know, that's why you can't, you think you can't survive coronavirus without a vaccine. You ain't been using the gifts of God. You haven't been using the wisdom of God. You haven't been seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You've been seeking the little congregation and its self-righteousness. Thinking that they're saved because they believe in Jesus. They're not going to do what Jesus said. They're not going to live like the early church. They're going to live like the Pharisees by men who exercise authority one over the other. That's going to provide them with their daily bread and and, you know, Social Security is not a pension fund. And we, we show that. I mean, you, did you read the book? Did you read the Social Security Act? You know, that, that's something we might talk about a little bit this afternoon. We'll definitely, we'll definitely talk about it at the festival. Cause I'm gonna, I'm gonna read something that I wrote this week at the festival. I'm not gonna read that online. It's too much information. You won't get it. But, uh, we'll show you that, uh, you know, nobody who, Signed up for Social Security, read the act. And the fact is, the act has been changed every other year, maybe almost every year since. And uh, they don't have to give you a single benefit, but they can keep collecting from you. And that's the terms that you signed up for. It wasn't like Joseph wrote it. I know the guy who wrote it. I know, I read his book, why he wrote it, how he wrote it. It's not insurance. That's not its purpose. (laughs) But anyway, uh, but it's numbered you. 
just the same. And you you think you can live without that number? Give it a shot. No, you. there's a lot of repenting that needs to go on. So let's look at the third myth before we run out of time here. Third myth, prison. Prisons are factories behind fences that exist to provide companies with huge slave labor force. Well, no, not really. They may become that. <laughs> That's what Klaus wants. He just doesn't want to have to buy the bars. But he wants you to become his huge slave labor force. Because that's what he's going to do. He's going to protect your jobs, but he's not going to protect your wages. You're going to have to work for less money because he's got all these free deals he wants to hand out. That's the bait. You know, I mean, it's like the pig going out and buying the corn to put in the bait that traps him. So anyway, simply put, private companies using prison labor are not what stands in the way of ending the mass incarceration. Nor are they the source of most prison jobs. Only about 5,000 people in prison, less than 1%, are employed by private companies through the federal PIECP uh, program. 1%! And I can tell you that they're not always the best workers in the world. (laughs) But it's good that they do something. Because... The whole idea of prisons, the way they're set up now, is bad. But we're not getting into that topic. We're just trying to dispel some of these nonsensical myths that they have. Uh, So, anyway, there are some that work in state-owned prisons that uh, do get wages. They don't amount much because you're supposed to take out the room and board. But sometimes they grow in their own food and all that kind of stuff. But that's still only about 6% of the people incarcerated in state prisons. So, no. No, it's that's not what's going on. People say that, but they're doing it in order to push in a narrative, just like they did with COVID and just like they're doing with the riots. So, again, you would I wouldn't have to tell you all this stuff if you'd already repented, you know, 30, 40 years ago when we started showing people what they've missed in the Bible is that you're supposed to have a daily ministration that takes care of all the social welfare of your community through faith, hope, and charity. It, and we talked about all kinds of people that were saying this, but you keep it's it's these hens and chicks ministers that are deluding you and feeding that delusion, tickling your ear, telling that you're already saved, and telling you you don't have to do what Jesus actually said that you're just saved automatically. It's crazy. It's insane. Here's something else Thomas Sowell said: You don't send people to prison on the basis of what other people imagine. Or on the basis of media sound bites like shooting an unarmed child when the child was beating him bloody at the time. You know, that's like the Ferguson deal. Was it Brown? Was that the guy's name? Uh, he actually discharged the police officer's weapon in the police officer's holder, holster while he was trying to take it out of his holster and kill the police officer with it. He did not say... Uh, with his hands up, don't shoot. He was charging the police officer to get the gun back and to get, take it from him. And he, he weighed like 300 pounds. He had just committed strong arm robbery on a little guy. He was a bad guy. <laughs> but they don't tell you that. The media is lying to you and now they've created this unrest. They will, they will suffer for this. We don't have to judge them. What we have to do is wake up ourselves. We have to wake up. We have to think differently. Fourth myth. People in prison for violent and sexual crimes are too dangerous to be released. 
Well, that many of them are dangerous and too dangerous to release. But that's not really the answer either. And, and we probably will have to go through some of this in the afternoon show. But particularly harmful uh, is the myth that the people who commit violent or sexual crimes are incapable of rehabilitation. They are. Many of the... When you say sexual crimes, what is that sexual crime? I know people that were put into jail for sexual crime, statutory rape. They've been law-abiding people ever since, and they haven't committed any sexual crimes. They haven't got into any kind of trouble because I know what the nature of that offense was. I won't go into the whole details of it. But it was trumped up and faked, and uh, uh, he did have sex with a minor, but he wasn't far from being a minor himself, and that, that minor he didn't even know was a minor, but, you know, unfortunately, her mother was a judge. <laughs> so, <laughs> case over. So, anyway, uh, the reality, but he, by, by technical terms, he's a, he's a sex offender. He's not somebody who grabs a seven-year-old, molests her, strangles her to death, and throws her body in a dumpster, and seven years later is living across the street from the parents of that child. That's a different, that's a different crime. But it falls under sexual crime. So when you say these terms that instill emotion, violent crime, what is, what do you mean? What the problem is, we don't have the caliber of judges that you need, and you're not going to have them because you don't have the caliber of people you need, and you don't have the caliber of people you need because you haven't been following Christ. You've been undermining the family, breaking up the family, uh, miseducating the children with a public school system that has been brainwashing your children, not educating them, to the point where I know some really nice public school teachers that think they're really good people, but they're brainwashed. They have a lot of good ideas and they have some really bad ideas and they don't have the absolute good idea of Christ. They think they're Christians. But they're not living by faith, hope, and charity. They're dependent upon the livelihood of others and they're accustomed to that. And they're accustomed to depending upon the livelihood of others and the property of others for their livelihood. They think public school is a good idea. It's not a good idea. I'm not trying to get rid of public school. I'm trying to get you to repent, turn around, seek the kingdom of heaven. So you don't need public school. You don't need somebody to take care of your parents. You don't need to borrow money from the Federal Reserve to take care of the needy of your society. You're doing it. you got a lot of turning around to do. You You can't get back to where you need to be through your own power. You're going to need a miracle. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. But that comes when you repent. That's the first command. Repent. Think differently. To think differently, you have to first have the humility to admit that you were thinking wrong to begin with. That it's not okay to covet your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority. That you're not supposed to be looking to the benefactors of the world who exercise authority one over the other for your daily bread. You're supposed to be going to church and providing that daily bread as much as possible through faith, hope, and charity, not force, fear, and fealty, because that will make you merchandise and curse your children, which is where you're at. That will give you the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is not forced upon you. 
They create a system where you might die if you don't have it. You might not be able to make a living. You might not be able to get a job. So you've already really got that. But tomorrow you may have to take a vaccination to get that job too. You don't take the vaccination, you don't get the job. You don't get to fly in the plane. You don't get to shop in our stores. What's in the vaccination? Nanoparticles. That's little tiny, 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 tiny little robots that can assemble. And you could, I could go by with my phone and tell whether or not you've had the shot. That's right. I could scan you wherever you get the shot. You can actually get the shot with a Band-Aid. Did you know that? They, they can actually put a Band-Aid on you and you will get the shot because it has t- little tiny micro needles in it. Now, to get get you going on it, they've, they've decreased the dose because the original people that got the original test, strong shot, all of them got sick. 20% of them had to be hospitalized. They were so sick. So they've decreased the dose, but they're already saying you're going to have to have another shot in six months. And maybe in six months they'll say, well, they need to have that shot every three months. And you never know when they're going to add more nanoparticles or what nanoparticles. But those nanoparticles, just being exposed to a frequency, can reorganize themselves. And I can I can tell if you've had the shot just with my phone. You know, once I have to put the software in, but I can scan you if I have a you know smartphone that can scan, can scan your arm and tell whether or not you've had the shot. Oh, don't have the shot, can't come in. They're already training you. They're shooting everybody with these little uh, laser deals to take your temperature. So everybody's getting used to it. I got to get lasered before I go into school. You know, I got to get lasered before I go into school. I got to get lasered. We had somebody in Australia. He had to get laser temperature taken before they would load a pallet on his truck. They don't have to get within 20 feet of him. Why Why do you have to do that? Oh, we were told. So we're jumping through that hoop. Well, tomorrow it's going to be going to have to scan to see if you had the vaccination. Do you have those nanoparticles that are in you? Did you know that the nanoparticles that are in you are going to be patented? So you're going to be patented? You know? Is that the mark of the beast? (laughs) You actually have the mark of the beast. It doesn't have anything to do with nanoparticles in your arm. It has to do with the spirit. Of wanting to force, being the beast, the spirit of the beast, wanting to force your neighbor. You need the spirit of God. You need the mark of God. That's the spirit of God. And the spirit of God is that I want to take care of my neighbor and protect my neighbor through faith, hope, and charity instead of force. That's what John the Baptist, that's the immersion you need. We didn't even get to the fifth myth. And I'm not going to get to the fifth myth. You have to do that on the afternoon show. Till then, God bless. Peace on your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.